0: Another week of on-the-job training. Um, This week, uh, we're going to start out with one of my favorite news headlines that I've seen over the past few years. A a lot of times, you'll you'll, uh, open up your news app on your phone or look at the newspaper or whatever, and you read the headlines. And you're like, oh, man, this is crazy. It's sad news. It's heavy news. It's difficult news. Um, But this is one of those headlines I read a few years ago that just just stuck with me. And maybe some of you remember this and have seen it. do we have that first clip with the... There it is. The headline says, if you can't see it, woman accidentally joined search party looking for herself. <laughs> Did anybody hear this one? it was, it was uh, 2019, I think, is when this happened? Anybody hear this story? Um, this is one of my favorite things I ran across. So apparently this woman was hiking or vacationing or something out in the wilderness, and people weren't sure what happened to her, so they sent out a search party, like an official search party, and she... Um, saw that these people were looking for someone and said, I'm I'm able to help. So she joined the search party. And I don't know how long it, it took for them to realize that she was with them. Um, but uh, she joined the search party looking for herself. Um, today's sermon topic, the idea behind it, uh, the title even, is called Seekers, um, about looking for something. And, and I think it's appropriate to say, you know, looking for yourself even. Um, as, as people that live in a modern society, we often are given that instruction, right? Find ourselves, um, go figure out ourselves, um, but to, to find ourselves in our dreams and our passions and all those types of things. Um, but when things are lost, you go, you go looking for them, right? Um, I don't usually try to talk about Jonas when he's in the room. Um, I usually wait until he's out of the room to talk about him. But when he was he was two years old, a little, just a little guy, uh, we lived, um, we had some wooded land, about 10 acres, and then behind that was, was farmland, a couple hundred acres of farmland. And when he was about two years old, I got home from work one day, and Jessica met me in the driveway and said, I can't find Jonas. Um, so, like I said, we lived in a pretty secluded area, we had a lot of space, so like we gave him, as a two-year-old, a lot of independence to play outside, not that we just like, sent him outdoors as a two-year-old, but he had a lot of, a lot of space to play, and uh, we had two dogs that were always kind of with him, um, but at one moment, Jessica realized she didn't know where, where Jonas was, um, and so when I got home, Jessica said, we can't, I can't find Jonas, he's been gone for a little while, and so um, what I didn't do was go in the house and put on his favorite TV show and just wait for him to come home. I didn't uh, make his favorite snack and just say, well, when he, gets, when he wants this, he'll show up here. Um, that's not what I did. I Actually, um, because I knew I needed to cover a lot of ground, because he'd been missing for a while, I grabbed our four-wheeler out of the garage and went, started riding the trails through the woods. Um, and after a little bit of looking, that's where I found him with the with our two dogs, right, right in tow. He was back by the farm field. And actually, he had gone out um, trying to follow the four-wheeler tracks. Yeah, And uh, kind of got spun around and couldn't see the house because of the trees and everything. But, um, but it was urgent. It was important, right? There was something, someone important to me that was missing, so I did everything I knew to do to go find him. Um, when someone is lost, you don't sit around and wait for them to find themselves, you go searching for them, right? With a certain sense of urgency. In the, in the church world, church culture, we throw the word lost around sometimes as a technical term, like it's religious jargon, like you can be saved or you can be lost, and it's, it's a technical sense. And, and there's truth to that, I'm not trying to diminish that, but lost can be more than that. There's, there's an element of, of lostness that is always trying to fight its way back into our lives, right? Um, Those of you who have been a Christian for a while, have you ever felt uh, unsure of what's happening around you? Uh, Have you ever asked, God, what is going on? Uh, What am I supposed to do next? I know um, as, as a pastor, you know, a few weeks ago I talked about when I, I was the pastor that closed the church that I grew up in um, after a, a conflict, after an issue, they called me to be the senior pastor and I was the one that actually closed the doors of that church and when that happened, um, I still felt a call to ministry but I had no idea what was next because I had always understood my plan to pastor um, that church and I didn't know what I should do next, I had no idea even what I should do next so I was, I was I felt lost, and I kind of got tired of praying in that season of life because I was like, well, God's, like, I don't even know what to say. Um, I just felt pulled in, in many directions and no directions at the same time. And so even though I'm a Christian, even though I consider myself saved at that point, like I didn't lose my salvation, I still felt lost in terms of what my next step was supposed to be. And so we're going to talk today a little bit about lost things and those that go looking for them. Um, we're going to turn to one of my favorite uh, chapters in all of Scripture. I know I say that almost every week. Um, but this, this week, it's, it's true, I guess. Uh, not that I'm lying in previous weeks. Um, it's true every week. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Luke 15, 1 through 10. It'll be on the screens or um, you can grab one of the, the Pew Bibles if you want. Um, or if you have an app on your device, phone or whatever, feel free to use that as well. Luke 15, 1 through 10 says this, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Holy Spirit, we pray that you gather our minds, that they may be one with yours. Open our ears that we may hear your word. Soften our hearts that we may receive your wisdom. Speak to us, for we, your servants, are listening. Amen. So Luke chapter 15 begins, again, these these details aren't just backdrop for a story, these are the the context in which this story happens, uh, Luke 15 begins with Pharisees upset with Jesus because he is having tax collectors and sinners gathering around him. He's hanging out with these, these tax collectors and sinners and he's, he's sharing meals with them, which was a big no-no. Um, you're not supposed to especially share meals, share a table with those who were unclean, unpure, unrighteous, the sinners, um, Jesus constantly engaged on a personal level. He seemed to always be talking with, hanging out with the people that weren't good enough, that didn't quite earn their place at the table. Tax collectors, as many of you know, were, were Jewish people that were employed by the Roman uh, Empire, the Roman government, to collect taxes from the Jewish people. Um, they were taking money from the Jews to give to their oppressive rulers to the Roman Empire that was controlling them and so they were viewed as traitors they were viewed as against their own people Um, you couldn't get much worse than a tax collector for that reason Um, and so in response to the accusations against Jesus um, Jesus said to these Pharisees some parables parables is just some stories with a point right And so he he shares three parables in Luke 15. We only read two of them here. Um, We read one about the lost sheep. We read about the lost coin. And then the third one, which we didn't read, which is probably the most well-known one, um, or most celebrated one, is the prodigal son, the youngest son who demanded his inheritance from his dad and went off and squandered it all (coughs) Um, and then comes back home hoping... To be just a servant in his dad's house. But that 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 particular parable, the, the prodigal son, the, the father that is searching, um, that wasn't prescribed in our lectionary text today. And so um, we read the lost sheep from a one, one out of a hundred sheep were lost and they went looking for it. One coin out of ten was lost so they went looking for it. Something is lost, someone goes looking for it and when they find it, they celebrate. That's the pattern of these two parables that we just read. But something happened when, when you only have these two parables as opposed to having the third one with the prodigal son. Um, like I said, the, the prodigal son story, you have this, this dynamic. Many of you know this story where, where this youngest son takes this money and he goes off and he wastes it. And he goes from being a, a well-cared-for member of his, his dad's household to basically living with pigs and out of money, out of friendships, out of relationships, nowhere to turn. And so he comes home hoping to be a servant, but rather than being welcomed as a servant, he is welcomed as a son. And there was much rejoicing, right, we know the story, there was a party thrown other than the oldest brother who who was upset. The oldest brother said, I've been here this whole time and my irresponsible brother goes and wastes all this money and then you're gonna celebrate it, right? Many of us know the story. And and the reason we know the story is because so many sermons and books and, and Sunday school lessons have been taught about that moment where this youngest son kind of wakes up and says, I can go home. I can return. I can change my mind. Literally, as we're reading the scripture uh, Luke 15, the word repent showed up a few times. That literally means turn around to change your mind, to change your direction. And so this youngest son changes his mind. He changes his attitude. He changes his direction. He turns around. And much has been made about that, and, and, and rightfully so. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal. It kind of symbolizes uh, our human nature. Right? We want to all do our own thing. Um, sometimes it doesn't go so well. We follow our own desires, and it leads us away from God we make the decision to turn back to God, we repent, and we go home to our Heavenly Father. And we conclude that's what Luke 15 is about, sinners who change their mind and kind of go back home to God, right? Uh, We wake up and we choose to become a Christian, we make that decision, we pray the prayer, we go to the church, we make the commitment, all of that. And in the sermon series, this on-the-job training, in the sermon series, that focuses on learning to live how Jesus lived. Um, I find it helpful to quote the, the great modern philosopher. Uh, some of you may know this, this individual. A great modern philosopher named Morpheus. Um, from the Matrix movies. Um, no? Okay. Um, anyways he says, <laughs> he says a line in the movie. He says there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Um, so just making the decision to go back home. Making the decision to follow Jesus doesn't mean you suddenly have all the answers. It doesn't mean that everything is laid out in front of you. You still have to walk the path. Um, it doesn't mean your life is automatically shaped by Jesus. But something, something happens. Like, art, at least for me, when I was reading through these scripture texts, preparing the message, uh, and I didn't have the prodigal son telling me that this is a story about repentance, about going home, the dynamic changed when I only looked at the sheep and only looked at the coin stories. Because a lost sheep is not going to come to a point in its life where it says, uh, where it wanders out in the wilderness and starts to get hungry and gets nervous, feels scared about being vulnerable out in the wilderness, no water, no food, and it, 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 it's not going to come to the point where it says, <clears throat> I think I've made a poor life choice, I should probably go home now. Um. Sheep don't say that. You know why? Because they say, bah. All right, this is the best it gets. That's, 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 all, that's all we got this morning, right? No, or a lost coin uh, doesn't reach a point where it says, well, now you've done it. You've gotten yourself stuck in the couch cushions. You've got yourself in the laundry machine, Right? Uh, stuck beneath the seat in the car, wherever lost coins have a tendency to go. Um, the coin never says, well, coin, now you've done it. You've gone and got yourself lost. Maybe we should go back home. You know why coins don't say that? <laughs> You're all groaning already. Uh, good for you. You should. Um, they don't have enough sense um, I'm, o- I'm open for better answers. That's the best I could do. Um, <laughs> but our culture has a very individualistic lens to it. It, it, it puts our status and our situation completely uh, in our own responsibility, which to some extent is, is rightfully so, but it's this independent and individualistic lens that we view everything. And then if you've grown up in the church, especially one that is evangelical, evangelistic in nature... Um, you know, you've been a part of a tradition, a culture that emphasizes the role of a personal decision to follow Jesus. Um, Whether it be uh, at an altar call, a revival service, a a VBS as a child, or a church camp as a child, there's this moment where you make a decision. Say, I want to follow Jesus. I pray a prayer, I confess my sins, and I say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. It's an individualistic moment where I'm choosing to make a decision It's about the choice of who I'm going to follow, where I'm going to align my will, how I'm going to spend my life. And this all sounds somewhat familiar, right? I mean, this is kind of the church culture that many of us grew up in. And that allows us to look again at the prodigal son and see his return home as kind of a response to an altar call, maybe. Um, you know, the end of the week of revival when the, the evangelist invites people to come and the, the son turns and comes home. We see that as mirroring our response to those types of invitations. He's repenting of his sinful ways and he's returning to the Father. And that can become the emphasis of Luke 15. Kind of this wake up, repent, and return to God. And that's, that's not a bad message, it's a great message. And we, we probably need to hear it more often um, it's biblical, so I'm not saying it's not relevant today. But using the template of understanding, using that specific frame, using the prodigal son to interpret the coin in the sheep story, sometimes gives us a different interpretation of those. <clears throat> because do lost sheep find themselves? Do they change their minds? Do they make their way back to the shepherd or the flock on their own? Do they wake up one day and say, you know what, I've gotten too far away from the pen, I need to go back? Do lost coins come to a place where they're frustrated with their status of being lost? I've been under this couch cushion long enough, I'm going to go work my way back into the coin jar or somebody's purse or wallet. The obvious answer is no, right? Sheep and coins don't do that. The sheep and the coins in these first two parables aren't the actors of the story. Something happens to them, the story is about them, but they're not the primary actors. They don't have any action. They don't make any decisions. The subject of the action, the main actors in these parables are not the lost items, but the shepherd and the woman. So these are not stories about waking up one day, realizing you've wandered off the path, and choosing to go to a safe place or to be saved or to be found, but these are actually stories of someone exerting a tremendous amount of effort to seek that which is lost, right? The heroes of the story is the the shepherd and the woman who searched to find that important thing which was lost and then upon finding it celebrated that, not that something had returned home, but that the result of all that searching was that lost thing had become found, celebrating the efforts paid off. Celebrating the thing that was lost has been found. Remember, Jesus told these stories when he was asked, basically, why does he hang out with sinners? Why do you hang out with these people that do not belong here? And this was his answer. There was a a sheep that wandered off and a shepherd went to find it. There was a coin that was lost and a woman Swept her house until she found it. That was Jesus' answer to the question, Why do you hang out with sinners? And these parables, these stories are about people who put in a tremendous amount of effort to find that which was lost, seeking and searching for the missing things. A few chapters later, over in Luke 19, you don't have to turn there, I'm just going to uh, quote one line from Luke 19. Jesus says, the Son of Man, which is a title he describes for himself, um, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He said, This is the mission I am on, to seek and to save that which is lost. And so, in turn, we start to get this picture that God is a God who is seeking the lost. And through the work and ministry of Jesus, is how God goes about seeking those lost things, those lost people. When God looks at people identified as God's people, he loves them, he cares for them, right? The righteous people in Israel, he looked at them and said, you know, you're blessed, you're doing the right thing, you're good people, I love you. Um, but as he looks at that group of people called God's people, he notices there aren't as many people in that group as he wants there to be. There's some people missing. There's not as many coins as there should be there's not enough sheep in the pen the flock is not as full as he desires it to be and so god initiates a mission completely motivated by his desire to find that which is lost to seek out those who are currently not a part that currently don't belong and so when asked why jesus was hanging out with sinners he basically says because god is a missionary god god is not content with the the number that he has, but even those that are missing are important and valuable, right? The Bible tells us in another place that it's not God's will that any should perish. He's not content with lost things remaining lost. And so God, in and through Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit, goes on, sets about this search and rescue mission. And so today's message isn't about your need to find Jesus. It's not a, uh, an invitation for you to make a decision about your relationship with Jesus. If you want to, absolutely do that. Um, and I'd be happy to talk to you about that. But that's not what this sermon is focused on. Today's message is rather about the good news. The good news that God, in his grace and his love and his mercy, sets about searching for you. He's set about searching for each and every one of us. And if you're a Christian today, if you've made a decision at some point in your life to say, I'm going to follow this this Jesus, I'm going to live according to his way, and I'm going to trust him as my Lord and my Savior, as king of my life, you might talk about a time when you decided to become a Christian. And if you were telling that story to somebody about when you became a Christian, um, most of us, if not all of us, probably our story doesn't go, well, I was lost and one day I woke up and decided to be found. Now there might be some people that woke up and, or just had a, uh, an epiphany in one moment and said, I need Jesus, just out of the blue, um, that can happen. But for many of us, we didn't just come to that decision on our own, out of the blue, rather god was pursuing you was seeking you god was calling you not because you had everything figured out not because you were worthy to be part of not because you had earned a place at his table in his family in the kingdom but because you weren't there yet you were the sheep you were the coin So it's not about being good enough or deserving of being God's own people, but because of God's love and God's mercy, even while we were sinners, even while we were lost, God set about seeking us. And here's the pivot, the big hermeneutical move, Um, biblical interpretation, that's hermeneutical. Um, Here's the pivot for, for this week. If you're a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, it's because someone, likely multiple people throughout your life, were part of God's effort to seek you out. If you tell your story about how you became a Christian, if you're, if you're being honest and can remember all this, the specifics about it, there's probably other people who were involved. For me, I would have to talk about uh, my youth leader who prayed with me. I would have to talk about a pastor who invited me to participate um, in elements of the church that I didn't feel like I, I belonged in. Uh, for me, I talk about a, an experience at church camp. My counselor. Um, it wasn't just me deciding one day to become a Christian. There was people that, that understood God was seeking and searching for me, and so they joined in that search party. They made it an important part of their lives to help me be found And if you're thinking about your story, I'm sure there's names and faces and moments that come to mind as well. God was seeking you and through people who were being faithful, a faithful follower of Jesus, God found you and you found God. Someone else's faith, their trust, their sense of obedience, their sense of calling led them to share their faith with you. Invite you to know the blessings that they have experienced as a follower of Jesus. And so here's one of the things I want us to walk away with today. If you, if you don't follow everything else that's going on in the sermon, this is, this is really what's going on. Um, let's learn to be grateful that God seeks us and in turn become people who seek others. Like, there's two parts of it. Like, A humble gratitude before God, realizing that whether you are a 17th generation Christian, your whole family grew up in the church, or if you walked in the church the first time today, um, God was seeking you, um, and you were here because of his grace, his mercy, and his love for you. So that's part of it. So like, be grateful, be humble before the Lord, realizing that you didn't earn your way into his kingdom But then let that gratitude, let that humility drive us to lift our eyes outward and see others and say, oh man, God's looking for them too. Let me join the search party. Those who are lost by definition don't know the way. (laughs) Those who are lost by definition don't know the way. Therefore, those who aren't lost are called to seek the lost. We can't sit back and say, well, they know where to go if they, they want Jesus. Well, by definition, lost people don't. They don't know the way. So disciples, followers of Jesus, are people who have been found by this missionary God, been brought back into the flock and made part of the family. But being a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean you automatically have your life figured out. It doesn't mean everything is perfect. Have you ever felt lost, stuck, confused? unsure of which way to go, maybe even paralyzed by fear or confusion. Whether you are a Jesus follower or not, life can be hard and confusing. And sometimes being a Christian can add another level of confusion to those things. We might say things like, God has a plan for me in my life, but it seems like he's not telling me. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought those things or said those things. Um, I have on more than one occasion. Um, I can't stay here, but every step I seem to take leads in the wrong direction. You might believe God, might believe in God. You might be trying to follow Jesus, but you still feel lost. I know how hard and confusing that can be, and many of you have experienced this. I, I know that because hardly a week goes by where I don't have a conversation with somebody where they're saying almost the exact same thing. I'm saved, I believe in God, I believe, but I, I still feel lost at times. So not only does God have to find us and invite us into the people of God in terms of our identity and status, but God continues to find us. God continues to seek us in big and in small ways as we continue to get lost in our lives. We can believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and still be overwhelmed or confused or lost as to what our next steps are supposed to be. So God continues seeking out the places in our lives where we tend to get lost, and that's good news too. God does not only seek you out in order to call you a Christian, but God continues to seek you out, to search you out, so that you can find your whole life in and shaped by Jesus. The next slide is just a definition of what a disciple is. Disciples are people who join that missionary God in seeking to find those who are lost. So as we go about our lives, we don't have all the answers. God continues to seek us out and call us home and help us find our ways through the places that are confusing or difficult. God continues to seek us and find us. But as we go about that, our attention isn't just on our own lives. But in response to God's work in our lives, we see that God is working in other people's lives. And so as followers of Jesus, as disciples, as apprentices of King Jesus, we become people that join this missionary God in seeking to find those who are lost. God's redemptive mission becomes our redemptive mission. Disciples not only look to invite people to faith in Jesus, but disciples develop relationships with others. We have conversations, we have relationships with these other people that help them align their lives with Jesus more and more as time goes by. Yes, we want to lead them to a point where they make a decision and and say a prayer and make a commitment, but we also want to help them grow in their faith and align the elements of their lives with the ways of Jesus. Last week's sermon was ultimately, remember last week potters and clay, right, like, God shapes us. Last week's sermon was about letting Jesus shape our lives so much that it begins to look like him, that we look like Jesus. So much of what Jesus is teaching us to do, equipping us to do, and calling us to do is to be a disciple who makes disciples, a disciple who teaches, to be saved by the good news of Jesus so that we can share the good news of Jesus. God told Abraham at the very beginning of the story of Israel, way back in the early days of Israel, God told Abraham, you would be blessed so that you can bless the world. And that promise is true to us today as the church. We are blessed. We are called children of God. We have been redeemed. The Spirit uh, has has worked in us, has, has gone before us, has called us home This missionary God has sought us out and called us into his house, into his home um, so that we could not only be present there but we could join that mission to seek those who are lost and invite them into a closer relationship with this God who is seeking them. Understand that it was a loving God that pursued you and it was a loving God that was seeking you. Let's just be grateful. You weren't just lost one day and decided to get unlost. Someone, probably multiple people, went looking for you, made it part of their weekly routine or their prayer life or their service in the church. They went looking to bring you into God's family. And as one who has been found by this loving God, we are sent back into the world to seek others with the love and grace of God. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you're one of these disciples, a Jesus apprentice, know that we together are called to be seekers, to join in God's search party for those who are yet to be found. We join Jesus as he seeks to save the lost. And the motivation behind that, not just because Jesus says to do it, but remember that your faith makes a difference in your life. I can't tell you how many conversations I get to have with people and they say I don't know where I would be without Jesus I don't know where I would be without God I don't know where I would be without being part of a church has your faith brought you peace courage strength community belonging hope love do you know people who are lost in the world around you who need the very things that I just named off Do you know people around you that could use peace, that could use comfort, that could use courage, that need strength, that need to belong to a community that cares for them? Do you know anybody who could use some hope or just know that they are loved? The very things you experience as a follower of Jesus and depend upon in your life, there are people out there that need it but don't have it. Following Jesus isn't a checklist of what makes you a good person. It's a reminder of the needs of our neighbors, a reminder of God's great love for each and every one of us. So don't be a Jesus follower just so people think you're a good person. Be a disciple, an apprentice, who lets Jesus show us how to make disciples Because there are people that you know right now that are hopelessly lost and will never be found unless someone is willing to come looking for them. Can we be a church that is on mission to seek those who are lost? Can we help people who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus? Can we be a church who helps people who who do know Jesus get to know him better? Can we be a church that, that loves God, that loves others and serves the world while at the same time inviting other people equipping other people, empowering other people to love God, love others, and to serve. And so the invitation for all of us today comes in two parts. First part is to see Jesus at work seeking that which is lost. As you look out into the world and you see a world broken and and corrupted by sin and filled with dark places and all types of things that we look at and say, that's just not right when you look out at the world, know that Jesus is at work in those situations. The Holy Spirit is at work calling and wanting to bring reconciliation and redemption into those areas. So the first part of our invitation is to to see Jesus at work in the world around us. The second part of the invitation is probably more difficult than that. And that's letting Jesus teach us how to join him in that work. So, step one is to see that Jesus is on a search and rescue mission. Step two is to join him in that search and rescue mission. That our faith leads us to follow him into those places. And so, today, together, as stewards of the gifts, talents, and resources that God has given us, let us join in the seeking and help in the seeking. Let's join in the seeking and help others be found by God. And so as we prepare to close our time of service today, we're going to do things a little bit different. Um, We're going to have a time of prayer, um, but not a prayer for us. Together, collectively, we are going to pray for those in our communities that are lost. We're going to take some time today and, and name and pray for um, that the things around us that are lost. We're gonna pray that God gives us eyes to see them, to find the sheep, to, to be part of the work in finding that lost coin. And so uh, we're gonna do that. The, the altars will be open if you wanna come and pray for uh, someone specific, if you have a specific prayer request, whatever, if you wanna just pray for your neighbors, your coworkers, your, your family, um, If God has put a burden on your heart, um, we're going to have a time of prayer, but I'm also going to ask Pastor Will to come, and he's going to lead us in a time of congregational prayer uh, for those that are lost, those that God is already at work seeking. So I'm going to ask Will to come and lead us in that prayer.